This episode is sponsored by Sprout Living. We are very excited to share all about our favorite new plant-based protein powders by Sprout Living. Sprout Living is delicious, and we really appreciate the nourishing quality ingredients. Sprout Living protein powders are all USDA organic, vegan, grain-free, soy-free, gluten-free, nut-free, kosher, and non-GMO with a pumpkin seed, yellow pea, and sunflower seed protein blend that offers up to 26 grams of plant-based protein and superfoods, herbs, and spices. They offer sample packs so you can try all their delicious flavors, including original chocolate maca, vanilla lucuma, and green kingdom. What makes Sprout Living different from most plant-based powders is that they avoid the unnecessary additives that many others on the market use. That means they don't use any gums, thickeners, or natural flavoring, which isn't really natural at all. Instead, they only use real whole superfoods and adaptogens, which is cool because it makes the blends multifunctional. I love to use the chocolate maca blend with cashew butter, chia seeds, flax milk, frozen blueberries, and spinach to make a decadent smoothie that tastes just like a chocolate shake. If you want to try Sprout Living, you can save 20% off your order by using code CWPODCAST. Visit www.sproutliving.com and use code CWPODCAST, one word, to save 20% off. They also offer free shipping and a 100% money-back guarantee. Give them a try and let us know if you love it as much as we do. You can also find direct links in the show notes. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50 pound weight loss and self love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness, and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. This episode is brought to you by Ned. Let's talk about CBD. The CBD market feels really saturated these days, doesn't it? It seems like you can get it at any coffee shop or grocery store, and many CBD brands actually source their hemp from industrial hemp farms in China. The brand that we love, and more importantly, the brand that we trust is Ned. Ned produces some of the highest quality CBD available in the world, and Erica and I only partner with brands that we ourselves use. 
Ned shares third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction process all right there on their website. Ned is also USDA certified organic with all products extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Peonia, Colorado. How is that for knowing exactly where your CBD comes from? We have both been longtime users of Ned. I rely on the full spectrum hemp oil to help with anxiety and the hormone balance blend has been a game changer as I transitioned off of birth control. And today we want to talk about Ned's new product, which has been in development for over a year, the de-stress blend. I've gone through two bottles since it's come out and I could not be more obsessed with the benefits and the effects. This one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG is made from the world's purest full spectrum hemp and check out these ingredients. CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhibiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. Ashwagandha is an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress. And the delicious taste of this blend is thanks to the botanical infusion of cardamom and cinnamon. Cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic that supports your gut health a key player in your mental health and cardamom combats stress by helping reduce your blood pressure and cortisol levels. Also Ned's quality speaks for itself. The products have over 1500 five-star reviews and they work with incredible partners within the medical field, like Dr. Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole, who has been a two-time guest on this podcast. If you'd like to give Ned a try, Courageous Wellness listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code CWPODCAST. Visit helloned.com slash CWPODCAST to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash CWPODCAST to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. You can also find a link in our show notes. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Courageous Wellness. We have a great episode for you this week with Danielle Bayard-Jackson, all about friendship wellness. Um, And she's got so much wisdom that she shares with us. So I'm really excited to get into the episode. But before we do that, we're going to do our normal kind of weekly updates. And Erica and I thought it would be fun for any of our newer listeners to share a little bit about our origin story. (laughs) And because it's a friendship episode, um, how our friendship and then eventually evolving business partnership uh, came to be. So yeah. Yeah. You want to get started? Yeah. I mean, I can share like my perspective on it and then you can share yours, which could be fun because it's so funny. Allie and I met in 2014, right? It must've been 2014 Mm -hmm. because it was before my wedding. I was engaged at, and it was, I can tell you it was November of 2014, November of 2014 at a Buddhist meeting. So we met as I think most of our regular listeners know, Ali and I practice SGI Nitra Buddhism, and we met through our organization at someone's house in, was it like Somewhere up in the canyons yeah, yeah, of Los like- Angeles. And um, yeah, so we met at a Buddhist meeting and we became kind of social friends. We knew each other through Buddhism. We practiced in the same little group um, and we would occasionally go out for a drink or lunch or coffee, stuff like that. I think I came to a few of your shows. I watched mm-hmm. you perform 
And it was a lovely, lovely little friendship. Yes. But it wasn't much deeper than that. As we've shared, you know, I knew Allie had gotten cancer. She didn't really know anything about my self-love journey because that all kind of happened before I had met her. And that wasn't a phase where we were talking about that, but everything really changed. So Allie eventually moves to Japan. Uh, if you guys didn't know, she's a musical theater actress and she's a performing artist and she was in Japan doing a bunch of shows over there. And we actually did see each other in Japan, which is really cool before the podcast. We, we, we saw each other there and for I about five for, minutes, actually. for about five minutes Erica was yeah. on a trip. Yeah. <laughs> I was on a trip with our Buddhist organization. Um, and Allie met me there. She, she met me and we went to a Buddhist meeting together in Japan. It was pretty neat. Yeah. And which leads me into, she's in Japan. And at this point, I guess my wellness journey was really gearing up with what I was going through with self-love and all of that and dealing with body dysmorphia all that fun stuff. And I started reading this book that I loved on blood sugar and nutrition. And I noticed that Allie was reading the same book because of Instagram. She was posting smoothie recipes. And, um, (laughs) I think you posted a smoothie recipe or something about the book. And so I slid into Allie's DMS and we developed a deeper social media friendship about nutrition. Yep. And then Allie, when you came back to Los Angeles in April, this is when everything really changes. And I think this is where courage really comes in because I will say I am an introvert. I'm like a extroverted introvert. So I, I come off as very extroverted, but I'm an introvert. Do you know anything about human design? I'm a two five, but the two is like the hermit. Like we like to be alone and like do our own thing. So I really enjoy being by myself and yeah, I'm an introvert. So I frequented a spin class in Los Angeles and they offered me some free passes to bring friends to a class. But this class was about, it was like 10, 11 o'clock in the morning on like a Wednesday. And so I was like, who do I know that could be available? Who's who do I know that's unemployed? Oh, right. My actor friends. So I invited a few of them because it is Los Angeles and, and I have a few actor friends and all of them said no, or they weren't available except for Allie. And I got so nervous, Allie, because I was like, we've never hung out one-on-one. Like, yeah. We've never, we never had before. no. And it had been, this is 2018 now. So we had known each other, like, you know, three and a half, four years. And we had never hung out just the two of us. No. So I was so nervous and, but I, I went through with it and we went and hung out and it went great. And that is kind of like, and the rest, That's it. rest is history. Like yeah. we, wasn't it the rest that, is history. Wasn't it that hangout that we had the idea for courageous moment? It is. It was it's that crazy. hangout and our lives so changed. I, and we were both going through, through very difficult transitional periods of our life at that time. And I think we had the space, both of us to like, yeah, like create this this platform and we had no idea what it was going to be. And we had no idea what it was going to grow into. And our lives have definitely transformed since then. Um, 
Yeah. But I think too, as you mentioned, like we were in such transitional phases where it really led towards the podcast, but I think it also led towards developing a friendship and a partnership because we really were, at least for me, I can speak for myself. It was such a transitional, it was my Saturn return. If anyone is into astrology and I was really going through this time of like having deeper conviction in myself and saying no to things that weren't serving me, which really allowed for the space for things and friendships that really did serve me. And so same, I, I just think for anyone listening, this is obviously there's so much more we could go into, but if you are on Instagram and you see someone's reading a book you like, or making a recipe that you think is cool or taking a class that you could be interested in taking slide into their DMS, or if you want to hang out with someone, invite them to get a cup of coffee or take a spin class or jump on zoom because I think cultivating adult friendships really does take a lot of courage. And we really break, we really talk about so much in this episode. That's so good. And Danielle's the expert. So please reach out to her for like real advice and tips. But from our perspective, it's just, it's really cool that at like 29 and like 31, right? Yeah. 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 Like we were able to develop this really incredible partnership and friendship, you know, which also led to a a business, which led to a business, which we didn't anticipate, but we are deeply grateful for now. And so it's wonderful. You never, I guess the the point is you never know what you're going to get out of it um, and how your life is going to transform. So uh, we are grateful also to Kelly Levesque for writing that body love book. And hopefully she'll come on the show one of these days because, um, I got to chat with her at Expo West this year and, and share that story that it was like her book, her work in a way that was the connector for our friendship and our partnership. And, um, she just thought it was really cool. And I think it's really yeah. cool. Cause it's also a sign of like, you never know what you're going to create, like how it's going to benefit other people too. So, yeah. um, and, anyway, and I, <laughs> yeah. no, it is. It's anyway. really neat. And, and even like recently I just went on like a friendship date with a new friend. Um, I invited someone to go on a walk outside, you know, COVID safe, who I met through a different, um, organization I'm a part of. So yeah, I think cultivating adult friendships, which is something we get asked about a lot. It does take just courage in that first step. But again, Danielle's the expert slide into her DMS for specific (laughs) questions. And we're going to get to her episode in a second, but I just want to remind everyone that today's episode is brought to you by milk and honey. And we are huge, huge fans of milk and honey. Their online boutique is absolutely incredible. I buy their aluminum free baking soda free deodorant for years. I buy my super goop screen. (laughs) I get all my OCM Malibu products from their online boutique, but they also have incredible spas with eight locations in Texas and Los Angeles with two locations in LA and Culver city and Brentwood. And I love like they have HEPA filters in every single room. It's so clean and beautiful and peaceful and safe. And it's, it's my go-to that's where I'm getting all my spot treatments. And we are so excited because courageous wellness listeners can now enjoy 
20% off at milkandhoney.com on their online boutique. That includes Osea Malibu Virtue, Moon Juice, Sun, uh, Coolest Sun Care, Super Goop, um, Sun Products, but also 20% off your first spa service at any Milk and Honey location. And the code for both of those is CW Podcast. So you can find the links to all of that in our show notes. And Ali, I think you're going to talk about our really, really cool uh, package with them. So. Yes. So in addition to that, listeners can also visit any milk and honey spa location to experience drum roll, the courageous wellness retreat, which is a 60 minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs, focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with body brushing, um, an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home um, to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. So this is something we've partnered with them to create. Um, and if you use the code Courageous Wellness Retreat to book it either online or on the phone, you will get this package, the Courageous Wellness Retreat at a special rate. So this one is not to be combined with the other discount, um, but again, is an exciting offering we have for our listeners. So we love milk and honey. We love our partnership with them. We can't recommend them enough. And as Erica said, we are users of the, both the online boutique and the spa treatments. Um, they also have med spa treatments as well. So we have a great episode today. So should we get into it? All right. Today on the podcast, we welcome Danielle Bayard Jackson, a publicist by day and a friendship coach by night. As a coach, she focuses primarily on female friendship and communication through her own surveys and research-based strategies and teach women how to have better platonic relationships with one another. She recently signed a book deal with Hatchet to write a book that explores the function of conflict in female friendship. And the book, which we are looking forward to, will be available in early 2024. Out of love for all things female friendship, she founded Friend Forward, a digital community that provides coaching, workshops, articles, and connection events for women looking to create and maintain true friendships. On this episode, we discuss her work as a friendship coach and have a really detailed conversation on healthy friendships, meeting friends as adults, and just so much good stuff. You're going to love this. You're going to gain so much. I feel like none of us are taught how to be a friend, and we could all use Danielle's work in our life. So enjoy the episode. Before we get to today's episode, we want to tell you a little bit about the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Erica and I are both certified integrative health coaches and now offer health coaching through the Courageous Wellness Collective. We continued our education and received certification through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. IIN has taken the lead in the health coaching industry from its inception and provides a comprehensive curriculum that combines nutrition, coaching, and business. 
We loved the program and have so many listeners ask us about continuing education for nutrition, health coaching programs, or even just enrolling in higher education to learn more about food and nutrition for themselves. So we are very excited to be able to offer a discount to Courageous Wellness listeners to study at IIN. The program is completely accessible virtually with lectures led by health, wellness, and medical industry experts. To receive up to $2,000 off your tuition, you can use our names, Allie French or Erica Stein at the time of enrollment to receive the tuition discount. We have also included a link in the show notes that will take you directly to IIN to learn more about their wonderful programs. Enjoy today's episode. So welcome, Danielle. We are so happy to have you here and to have this conversation today. So to get us started, can you talk a little bit about your personal journey to this work? How did you become a friendship coach? Yeah, of course. I always start with, with this joke because, you know, it's, it's funny whenever I do say I'm a friendship coach, I get kind of like side-eye or people are like, oh, that's, that's adorable. You know? Um, and I totally get that. You know, I always say that it's not, um, it wasn't necessarily on my vision board when I was nine to become a friendship coach, but I did just kind of fall into it. I was actually a high school English teacher for six years, teaching 11th and 12th graders and between classes and after school, a lot of the, the female students would come up to me and they're talking about all kinds of things, but most it centered around friendship. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was coaching them through it. Um, when I left the classroom and got into public relations, I foolishly made the mistake of thinking that I was leaving that drama behind. And then I noticed that even with my high achieving, smart, charismatic, uh, um, career-driven clients, they too were struggling with navigating platonic relationships with other women. So I came home one night and I went on Amazon and just for kicks, I just searched friendship books. And at the time there were very few results and of the results that there were, most of them were for children. And that's when I realized, oh, that's what we think of friendship, that it's for kids because as an adult, you should have it figured out. And so from that point for the past four years, I've been serving in, in the capacity of a friendship coach. And I just paired my you know experience um, in education, my degrees there and my certification in coaching. And I spent the the past four years studying uh, friendship very closely with psychologists and and other leaders in the field. And now um, I get to be a resource for women across the world. And so far it's been, uh, it's been a blessing. Thank you so much. It's, you know, it's so interesting to hear the evolution of how that happened. In fact, you were doing it prior to doing it professionally. Um, And it makes so much sense too. You know, Erica and I, as business partners who were friends prior to that and have had many evolutions of our own friendship. Um, We talk about this sometimes because it's not something that's taught in a way. I mean, maybe there's that sort of negotiation on the playground with small kids or that those types of like sharing and things like that are taught. But I don't know that I've ever been taught to be somebody's friend or to be a good friend. I mean, we have examples, we have models, behavior we can follow, I guess. But um, it's interesting. It makes a whole lot of sense to me that in your professional life beyond the classroom too, that these were still some underlying things of like, how do we relate to each other? How do we communicate to each other? There's so much done in the romantic relationship space. Um, But I find that even, you know, our friends in our thirties are still learning new aspects of ourself and learning new aspects of how to relate to even long-term friendships or making new friends. There's so many aspects of like 
this world that I just, it makes sense that aren't really talked about, um, or taught. So I think it, it's like, oh yeah, it seems now that you explained your just evolution and journey with the work, it seems kind of obvious that there's a whole hole in the market in that, in that space. Um, I guess my question, my, one of my first questions for you is how do you as a friend, like, obviously we're all friends with, we all have friends, but it's like, how do you, now that you're a coach, did you start observing your own friendships and seeing what worked and what doesn't work? How did you like start to apply some of this work to your own life? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And I actually just posted on Instagram. I was like, sometimes I get asked about how this relates to my own life. And, um, you know, I'll give you a very recent example. You know, I've got a lot going on. I've got two kids under four right now. I've got, um, a manuscript that I'm writing and the deadlines for my editor are very tight. And so in this season of friendship, the past, you know, four weeks or so, um, I have not checked in. I have canceled plans. I have, um, <clears throat> uh, forgotten commitments that I said I'd help a friend with. And it totally, you know, slips my mind. And I've been a very quote unquote, bad friend in doing all the things we're not supposed to do. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. That was something I was kind of keeping private. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, like here I am, you know, leading this work, but here I am. And I was like, you know what? No, let me talk about that because that's a part of the problem is acting like we have it together. And so I'd be lying if I said, you know, as a coach, you know, I have great friendships. I do have great friendships. A part of the reason why they're great is because um, I've been blessed to cultivate a circle who also values friendship itself. Not just that they like me, they respect friendship. So out of respect for friendship, we give each other grace. We communicate what's bothering us. Um, and I, I unpack a lot of that in the book that I'm writing, but you have to value friendship itself the same way you have to value merits to not do certain things. Because if your commitment is to me as a person, that is going to waver when I'm good to you, when I'm not good to you, then that determines what you do. You have to have respect for the institution. And so for, for friendship, fortunately, I have friends who, who show a lot of grace. So I like to think um, I'm a pretty good friend, you know, and I know for a fact I've become a much better friend doing this research because it takes me out of my feelings and my experiences. And I try to integrate a lot of the research studies that I look at that way there's some kind of objectivity. So even though I might feel like I don't want to do a certain thing, if research um, that I'm looking at shows that incorporating a certain attitude or doing a certain activity would be helpful. I lean to that and not just my feelings. Um, I, I do see some people on, on YouTube and things like that, and they're giving tips for friendship. And I think all that's great, but like 90% of it is rooted in their own experience and no one's saying, well, this is what worked for me, but we're saying very authoritatively, you need to do this, this, this. And a lot of that uh, uh, advice is problematic. Um, and so I just like to emphasize, you know, I, I think in my personal friendships, they've grown. I think it's because I've I would like to think I've grown as a person and I've been humbled in a lot of ways. And also I try to keep my, my eyes in the latest research. Um, and I think that helps me to, to have really healthy friendships today. Can we talk about to what a healthy friendship looks like? And like maybe some of those problematic things, cause you know, especially in the last two years with everything we've gone through with the pandemic and the way life has changed, I think friendships have really, um, been forced to evolve, right. They've just been forced to evolve. And, um, what may have been normal before the pandemic might not be normal now. So maybe you could just enlighten us a little bit about from your research, what does a healthy friendship 
look like? Let's just start there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I know that we often describe friends in a lot of different ways. And, and mm-hmm. I get that a lot. Like, well, how do you define it? And I like to go with the, the basics first. The most basic definition of friend I can give is somebody, you know, who you have an affection for, and it's reciprocal. And I say that because a lot of us are calling a woman we just met but have the chemistry with our friend and it leads to certain disappointments. Well, you had expectations of her and she doesn't know you yet, you know? And so those are the three basics um, as I define them. Um, when it comes to having a healthy friendship, um, one, it looks like um, welcoming healthy conflict. Conflict means I have a certain set of desires and expectations. Do you have desires and expectations? And sometimes they clash because we're two different people. So we got to figure this out. That is healthy that is normal. That is inevitable when you bring two people together. But my my tagline is that there are too many friendships that end prematurely because mm. we won't work through that. Now, I, I've, I was going to say I could write the book on this. I guess I am writing the book on this. But why conflict plays such a role in the demise of a lot of our relationships and and culturally how we're not totally prepared for, for certain things and, and we're not equipped with certain skills. But a healthy friendship looks like I'm allowed to be myself in this union. So there's still this sense of agency and autonomy as we are together as friends. Mm. The second thing would look like we enter into the kind of conflict that moves us forward. If we're having unnecessary conflict because we're bickering about whatever or doing silent treatment to show that we're unhappy, things like that, it's not productive. If the goal of conflict should be to create a shared understanding and bring us together, then unhealthy conflict would, would be the opposite. It's creating division. It's leading to misunderstandings or we are distant from each other because we don't know how to talk. Um, so, so those kinds of things, keeping those things in mind that conflict is welcome, that you should be able to maintain some kind of sense of self. Um, that would be what a healthy friendship looks like. Hmm. Thank you. That makes so much sense. The um, looking at what, what the purpose of conflict is. And so being able to kind of address it with that lens, because I think sometimes people and, and rightly, so I guess get freaked out by it, um, because of their own relationship with conflict maybe, but to understand that there's a bigger uh, reason for the conflict, like what is on the other side of it and what you can actually gain from experiencing that with someone else. So long as there is, you know, the idea of working through it, um, yeah, that's, I think that's really cool, that perspective. And I'm curious, you mentioned earlier a little bit about like this season in your life. And we all know that we have different seasons. We evolve differently. We have personal growth that happens, we hope, right? To evolve as humans. And I'm curious, like your perspective on long-term friendships, how that has to ebb and flow. Cause you were talking about, you know, expectations of showing up in certain ways to each other. What happens or how would you kind of coach someone when the dynamic changes because the seasons of life change and, and that's okay. Like, and there's not like, you know, you're okay with the fact that maybe you don't feel the need to communicate as much as you might've once done. How do we navigate those kinds of changes in, in our friendships? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it's one of the most common ones. You were going through different life seasons and 
then suddenly we're like, wait, what the heck? And I think we know intellectually that that's going to happen. We know in our brain, of course, oh, different life seasons are going to strain our friendship, but that's okay. I think we we say that like a, a kind of an empty mantra, but we don't really know how to do it. So when it happens, we're actually very startled by it because even though we think it, we're not really ready to absorb this kind of change. And also I think the reason we're, in, we're not totally equipped to, to navigate some of those transitions is because we haven't had any experience being friends in this new terrain. If we're two single ladies doing our thing, that's been the dynamic of our friendship. That is like, we formed this, this ecosystem where we go out, we can make plans kind of, you know, willy dilly, we can do whatever. And suddenly the things that you want to talk about are different and the, the availability is different and the way you're prioritizing me is different. And I don't know what to do here. I don't even know, but I think the issue is a lot of us jump to oh, I don't know how to be, we can't be friends anymore, or I don't think we can be friends anymore, or I guess we outgrew each other. The first question should be, okay, what do I need to do here to to get us back in rhythm? As opposed to like, well, this is, well, this is not what I know. Like, I don't see her anymore. I don't see, I guess our friendship's over. Is that possible? Sure. But I think we're, we're jumping prematurely if we go there instead of, well, okay, let's figure out how we, how can we catch a rhythm again and problem solve. Um, And so in order to do that, the first thing is a mindset thing is to anticipate that it will happen. That sounds basic, but the sooner you absorb the, the, the reality that, oh, changes are going to happen and change our dynamic, the easier it is to manage. You don't become so startled that you want to leave because you take it as a sign that the friendship's over. So first absorb, it's going to happen. The second thing is to not assume. I want to get that like tatted on my forehead is to stop assuming because ironically, we make the most assumptions with the people we feel like we know really well. And so we're like, well, of course, like I know her, I know her life, I know what's going on. So I see uh, miscommunication all the time. Like, you know, you don't invite the friend who just had the baby because you assume she's busy. You don't invite the friend who got let go from her job because you assume she can't afford it. On the surface, those are all noble reasons. But in reality, she feels left out. She feels like you just dropped her. She feels like you don't want to include her anymore. Uh, Maybe she really needed that night out and was looking forward to being invited. So we do a lot of that assumption. Oh, you know, I know she's sick, but I mean, she's got her boyfriend with her. Like, I don't, why would I go over? Like, she's got somebody. We do that all the time. And then one of the biggest complaints I hear is a lack of emotional support. I feel like she didn't show up for me, but you are assuming that that you were, that she didn't need you. So in those transitions where maybe she needs you when she's getting married or becoming a mom or advancing in her career or adopting kind of a certain lifestyle, maybe she's had a revelation in some kind of way. She's traveled and her mind's open in new ways. Your first thought will be, I don't know how to relate to her anymore. So the first is don't make assumptions. So one, assume it's going to happen. Two, stop making assumptions. And finally, I'll leave you with um, finding ways that you all can relate because maybe it looks new now, but can you do the work to dig and recover? How can we stay uh, in relationship with one another? How can I show an interest in this new change to bring me and her in a little bit? And um, and how can we uh, introduce some novelty in a relationship, just like you would in a romantic one? Research says that we're more inclined to do things when there is an element of novelty. So if we're no- our normal thing is just like going to happy hour without it being planned every Friday, can I suggest that we go to this festival that I heard about on Sunday? Mm-hmm. And we've never done that before, but let's try it. You yeah. know, um, So those three things to keep us connected um, in a season where we have different life transitions. Oh, and, and finally I'll add, um, and to not see it as one friend's above us or ahead of us. That's a big one. So just because she got married, she's not um, ahead of you. 
you are not behind. Yeah. Um, that's another one that I can see stirs up a little like resentment, confusion, or distance is feeling like she's beating you. Um, and, and that's just not how it works. Yeah, no, this is also great. We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand that began as a luxury day spa in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas and Los Angeles, California, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare products born from the spa. One of Milk and Honey's best-selling products is the natural deodorant, which is loved by Zoe Kravitz and was featured in her Vogue's Beauty Secrets video. I've been using the baking soda free version exclusively for over two, three years. This gentle aluminum free baking soda free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. It never gave me any itchy red bumps when I switched over and passed the smell test, even after an intense workout. It truly is the best and comes in two scents, lavender tea tree and lemon vanilla. In addition to clean deodorant, their online boutique also offers clean beauty products from top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, Super Goop, and more. Some favorite products of mine other than the deodorant include Milk and Honey's Gel Cleanser, Super Goop Glow Screen, and SPF 40, which I now buy on their site, and Osea's Body Oil and Vegas Nerve Oil, which activates the body's relaxation response and helps regulate stress. Their spas are also lovely, and we are both big fans of their spa treatments. And we now offer discounts at both the online boutique and spa locations on all spa and med spa treatments. We are also thrilled to partner with Milk and Honey to offer a Courageous Wellness Spa package called the Courageous Wellness Retreat at a discounted rate. The Courageous Wellness Retreat combines a 60-minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs, focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with body brushing, an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. Courageous Wellness listeners can enjoy 20% off your next order at milkandhoney.com and 20% off your first spa service at any Milk and Honey location with code CWPODCAST. Visit milkandhoneyspa.com to find a location near you. And if you want to try the Courageous Wellness Spa package offered at a special rate, use the code Courageous Wellness Retreat to redeem. This is not able to be combined with any other discount or promotion. You can also find all the information in our show notes. While you were talking, it made me think, you know, Allie and I are I think Allie and I are fortunate that we do, we have a lot of different friends, right? We both have friends from high school or childhood. We've made friends as adults. We are adult friendships. We only met eight years this year, which is very exciting. But, um, you know, I think for both of us, and I can't speak for you, Allie, but I feel like Allie and I are very like strong. I'm a, I'm like the strong friend. So I don't get checked mm-hmm. in on as much just to be honest. That's why I don't, I can't speak for Allie, but I feel like we might, have that in common. But for me, that's been a source of, I wouldn't say like resentment now, but it has been a source of resentment for me because 
I'm the friend that checks in, right? I'm the friend that calls. I'm the friend that checks in. And I don't, I sometimes haven't felt that that's always been reciprocated. Mm -hmm. And I get more mad at myself because that's kind of the dynamic I set up, right? So I found for myself, it's very important for me to reach out instead of just resenting not being checked in on, right? So instead Mm. of just being like, oh, well, this person... (laughs) hasn't called me or checked in on this serious thing in my life. I try to take the initiative to be like, Hey, I'm going through a lot in this area of my life. Like I just wanted to let you know and, and let them hold. And usually they do. I've been like very, um, as I've changed that dynamic with myself, most of my friends have really, really stepped up, but it still can be hard. And, you know, um, I went through a really hard time. My husband's family has been going through a lot with like illness and aging and all of that. And, um, I did have a friend make some comments to me at the end of last year about like, wow, you've been really, um, MIA or like you haven't been around. And I took that so personally because, um, I was like, wow, I've been going through a lot, (laughs) you know? So that kind of hurt my feelings. And, um, I didn't speak up at the time, but I regretted not. Right. Because again, I think, I don't know if I'm hearing you correctly. Right. But it's like, instead of putting that on her, Mm -hmm. it's also my responsibility to be like, well, I've been MIA because of this. And, you know, and again, like we've moved through that now, but it's just interesting because we all have our own I don't know. I'm just kind of like talking out loud and thinking as you're yeah. speaking. Yeah. Uh, my heart is pounding right now because you <laughs> like what you're saying, like my heart's about to explode. Maybe <laughs> that's why I know I'm in the right field. Cause like, I'm like getting goosebumps. I'm like, yes, what you just described. I, I believe with all my soul would fix so many issues. I think mm-hmm. it would solve so many feelings of loneliness and disconnection. If that right there was something we all adopted mm-hmm. one, it's my job to communicate. If I'm disappointed, that is my job as an adult. I understand that it, it sometimes feels like it takes away from the chemistry. Mm-hmm. I understand that it feels like, but if she were really my friend, I wouldn't have to, I understand. But if you don't tell her, we have to assume she doesn't know. And then also we have to have an attitude of curiosity when our friends do go MIA. Mm-hmm. And instead of coming to it uh, from a place of accusation, it needs to be invitation. So instead of, man, you've been gone or man, okay, I guess you got, you know, with your boons and now you don't have time mm-hmm. for us. All of those are assumptions instead of, yeah. okay, I haven't seen your face. I miss you. What's going on? Mm-hmm. That's now, now you tell me instead of me stewing over by myself in my apartment thinking, wow, I guess she doesn't have time for me anymore. Wow. I guess she joined a new friend group and stewing on it and ruminating on it. And the most dangerous thing of all, having that self-generated narrative dictate your behavior. Now you're not calling her, texting her, Mm -hmm. giving a little bit of attitude and sass when she calls you and you made that story up. Those two things together. It's my job to articulate when I feel some kind of way. And whenever I'm in the dark about a friend, I'm not going to assume I'm going to ask her would be a game changer. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. I think that's such a good, gosh, skill set. Like you said, just that Mm -hmm. ability, because it does ultimately create a narrative about how we feel about ourselves, which is probably just like a self-validating thing. Like if we're feeling insecure about ourselves and we can make these assumptions within the context of our friendship, it's just going to validate maybe the insecurity. So it's like, Erica, I feel like your example is like breaking that 
And it's such Mm -hmm. a gift to ourselves, not only to our friendships, but to ourselves to be able to not live in the narrative of like, oh, this must mean something about me. And I think too, the learning comes from, right. I think everyone's been through friend breakups, right. Where, you know, a friendship doesn't continue. And, um, I think for me personally, my friend friendships that haven't continued have been much more difficult in my life than any romantic breakup I've ever been through personally. Like I, I really value my female friendships and I've had a lot of conversations. I'm also a Libra in astrology where the sign of partnership, but, um, I've had a lot of conversations with friends who are still unpartnered and, um, you know, they talk a lot about how they, you know, society really values romantic relationships so much more than mm-hmm. our other successes, um, including our friendships, even like 20 year friendships, right. Aren't as valued as much as like a five-year marriage for instance. But, you know, with that said, I think I've learned this because the, the difficult friend breakups that I have gone through, whether or not they've been correct, right. Like we just, weren't in the same space of life. We didn't want the same things. I don't know. I'm sure I I would love to hear your thoughts on friend breakups, but I feel like, um, I've gone through things with friends where we've gotten into, like you said, like the conflicts, the fights, and we've worked through it. And then there have been a couple instances where we just haven't. Right. Um, but I think that those experiences have made me more communicative with the friendships I have now, because I don't want these, friendships that I value to ever go down that path. Right. And so like how much more, and, and I think for me, especially as somebody who is conflict averse, who, um, right. Is the strong friend, um, this one friendship in particular, I think the reason it wasn't salvageable at the end was because I hadn't communicated at all. Right. Like I hadn't communicated at all the times that they didn't, I didn't feel like they had shown up for me. Um, and when I stopped showing up for them, that's when the friendship ultimately ended, but, um, in a very simplified way, but yeah, that at least those experiences have taught me more than anything else. Right. Like, okay, well like this friendship, even though she said something that hurt my feelings, I value it. I value continuing the friendship and communicating more than letting, like you said, that resentment just kind of build and build and build until you just start showing up a little bit differently. Yeah. And that's what it is, right? What you just said of, um, but you know what? I appreciate those experiences because they made me more communicative is also really powerful because like with anything else, like if you're dating around and you're, you have boyfriends and you're like, ah, you go to somebody else, hopefully you are collecting these, these lessons and being consistently refined as you move forward and you relate with a new person and a new person, that's what should be happening. You know, you know, in the Bible, it says iron sharpening iron, we make each other, you know, sharp as I continue to go through these experiences. And so the same should be true of friendship. I'm over. I mean, I should say this more gently. I'm like, I'm over it. You know, it disappoints me sometimes (laughs) when I see a dialogue that, that treats friendship. So like it's disposable and it kind of reduces it to, well, she didn't get you. Like you need friends who get you like, well then forget her. You need somebody who it's very like, well, that didn't work out next, but are we taking time to say like, Ooh, I actually dropped the ball in this situation. And I, God, I can't do that moving forward with my friends. Um, so when it comes to even moving forward from any kind of breakup, you are more likely to do that in a healed way. If you can extract a lesson from the friendships you've had before, you are able to move on in a healthier, uh, more productive way. If you can say, okay, this didn't work 
workout that hurts. It was my fault. And you know what? Because of this experience, I'm, I'm going to commit to no longer doing this. And so now my next friendship is enriched because I can identify ways I need to get it together. And, you know, that level of self-awareness, that commitment, I think is, 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 um, essential. Yeah. Thank you. I think at the root of what a lot of you're sharing, it seems like is this also this ability to sort of really with the self-awareness, take a certain amount of responsibility, um, which is difficult across a lot, but I want to say even culturally, I feel like sometimes there's such an emphasis, you know, we did an episode with someone, um, she, she works kind of exclusively now in, um, breaking sort of codependent behaviors and also people pleasing behaviors. Mm -hmm. And, um, especially for women, there's this like culture of like quote unquote perfectionism and this idea where it's like that this didn't work next kind of thing that, that pattern of behavior is because it's like the people are, can't say, Oh, I like, it was my responsibility. Like I, I messed up in this moment and that's okay. Like being able to sit with that or saying like, Oh, this is, you know, I did this wrong or I have regrets or I didn't communicate in this way. And that's okay. It doesn't make me a bad person. And I think there's like such an, um, aversion to wanting to feel that way, like wanting to feel like, Oh, I did something wrong. Um, that people will, leave relationships because of it or not want to do the work because then you have, you have to face the difficult or maybe, you know, discomfort, like the discomfort of it all. And, um, there's so much like room for growth in those moments. And I feel like the best moments were like, even when I was upset with myself or like Erica was talking about like, wow, I didn't communicate in that way or understanding those. It's like, but if you don't, if you're not able to like sit with that, then it's, it's like this sort of easy pattern to get into like the disposing of like, oh, this is just an workers. It's that person. It's all outside of ourselves. You know, Erica and I are practicing Buddhists. That's how we actually met. And this idea of like, we, we can't ultimately seek happiness outside of ourselves. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes in friendship, at least the way you're talking about it too, like this idea of not being always conflict averse or not being, um, not being able to say like, Hey, I, I messed up in this situation, but I love you. And I want to, you know, communicate better or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. It's like, then we go through people or experiences or like, we're constantly seeking the next thing rather than understanding that we can transform where we are or transform relationship. And when you're speaking to that, that really just like stuck with me. It's like, and it's sad. Like, I think sometimes friendships do play a course and sometimes, you know, relationships, whatever form they might be in, maybe they're meant to be in your life for like a day, a year, a season, you know, maybe they're not lifelong and that's okay too. But, um, to just like, end end so abruptly or end because people don't want us, you know, self-reflect in any way is sad because like, we love each other, you know, people love each other. And it's like to sometimes throw that away for no other reason is just like what a loss on both parts, even. And and then you don't give it the opportunity to evolve. Um, and I just was thinking about this woman who was on our show because she shared with one, one thing that I think kind of is relevant to what we're talking about, which was like, 
also asking in this communication that you're talking about asking, um, Hey, like Erica and I try to do this now, if it's personal and not business, especially like, Hey, do you have five minutes? I need to vent or I need to talk to someone about this. And then it gives the other person permission to be like, Hey, yeah, I do have five minutes. I'm like open to listening or like, no, I can't right now, but I can call you in this afternoon. And then it gives people like the ability to actually show up for you rather than like this idea of like dumping in that moment or assuming you can dump on somebody. And it's like a respect thing. But I feel like sometimes we have to navigate that in relation in in like romantic relationships, but it's, it's actually been really helpful too, as you're saying in, in friendships, because it's not like, it's, I guess, assuming in the other direction, it's like not assuming that they're like able to be present because they just have like this open availability for you and like respecting that space. Um, anyway, I'm just sort of like having some revelations about this idea too, of just like what you're talking about, self-reflection, asking for what we need. Um, and, and Erica also going back to what you were saying too, you know, I think it, it was bell hooks, the, um, you know, feminist author, she, she recently passed away, but said something about like in a culture of domination, we always put the most important focus on the romantic partnership, but in fact, it overlooks like the importance of community. And I thought that was really, really interesting because I was recently had a brunch um, with my girlfriends who, before I got married and I shared that with them because as much as it was like, so wonderful celebrating my romantic relationship, what felt like so overwhelming was the fact that I had like all these women in my life that I never had a brunch for, (laughs) you know what I mean? And it's, you know, so I think like, I don't know, like the work that you're doing, Danielle, is like really important because we have so many more relationships in our life than just the romantic one. Um, and those come and go too. And so, yeah, just like having the respect for the friendship, I think is just beautiful. This episode is brought to you by Base. Ever wanted to figure out why you are feeling sluggish or bloated or what's really up with your stress levels or why you never feel truly rested with base at home blood work kits, a simple finger prick or saliva sample makes it easy to find out the answers to common health concerns. Whether you know which tests you want to get started with, or you need some guidance, base's proprietary assessment quiz makes it easy to begin your health journey empowered with an understanding of your own body. Members can measure, understand, and improve their health levels related to the five most common areas of health concerns, diet, stress, energy, sleep, and sex drive. The result of your hormone, vitamin, or nutrient tests are delivered to you through BASE's app and come with personalized recommendations, including lifestyle changes, supplement suggestions, and more. We both had the opportunity to try base and we love having the information at our fingertips and really recommend it as a resource. You know, we are huge proponents of advocating for your own health and base gives you a baseline information about yourself just to make it easier. Pricing starts at $59.95 per month or quarterly, or you can start with base complete, which are eight tests upfront for $450. We are happy to be able to offer our listeners 20% off with the code CW Podcast. 
To get started, take the base quiz, which will give you a recommendation for a personalized testing plan. Visit get-base.com slash podcast to receive 20% off with code podcast at checkout. You can also find the direct link to the quiz in our show notes. I'm like reflecting, I've been in situations where I guess like my happiness or like you were saying, like my happiness or my shine was, um, for lack of a better word, just too much for someone else. I think sometimes it's been a lesson for myself to be like, well, I don't want to change. Like, how do you respond if you're in that situation as that friend, right. That you were talking about, like maybe your marriage, your degree, your whatever is triggering for your career is triggering for a friend in your life and it's making them push you away. Is there anything that you can do in that place to salvage the relationship? Or I guess, how do you know, in my case, it was time, like the friendship did run its course because of that. And I later did receive an apology, but the friendship was just not salvageable at that point. But I guess, how do you deal with that when you are Um, when somebody else just doesn't want to be around you because you're in a different phase of life and it's just too hard for them. Yeah. It's tricky. The first thing I'm going to say is, is we have to, and and not that you did this, but, uh, when I hear women share that, that same thought, um, is to make sure that we don't vilify the other person. Now, sometimes people are being awful and selfish. No, that's true. Um, but it's less of a story about, the bad friend who could not support the good friend um, and one being the protagonist and an antagonist. If she's being honest about, man, it is hard for me to be friends with you because it stirs something up. And so our interactions are really heavy for me, whatever it is. One to depersonalize it because it's tempting to say, oh, I guess she's this and that and this and that um, to depersonalize. The second thing is to, um, find a way to appreciate that honesty because a lot of friends don't give us what your friend gave you. Hey, this is hard for me. They show it in a lot of other ways. And then we're left to wonder why she pulled away or whatever. We're trying to make meaning of that shady thing that she said, you know, so appreciate the honesty of somebody being forthcoming about that. Um, and then the, and the third thing would be to try to find a way, even though you're definitely going to grieve this loss, cause this person was your friend for a reason, but to find a way to be grateful for releasing that because at the end of the day, you should be able to bring your full self to the table. And if me bringing my full self um, is going to be threatening or uncomfortable, then in order to accommodate that, I'd have to minimize, Mm -hmm. uh, deny, dilute, measure my words. (laughs) And it is emotionally exhausting to have to actively be careful about what I say because I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to take your shine or that I'm comparing and I'm really not. And so, you know, it helps to have friends who can maybe say temporarily in a season, okay, you know, I, I, I've worked with some women who maybe have had infertility issues. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it is personally a lot for them to, to be around the baby. Right. And of course they're happy for the friend with the baby, but they know, okay, this is a lot for me right now. And I think there's something really powerful about acknowledging that maybe even telling a friend, even though it might be awkward, if you feel like that's appropriate for your friendship. Um, but if it's something that's ongoing and in order to maintain this relationship, I have to consistently, uh, dilute, minimize, deny, or measure then I can't, I can't thrive here. Yeah. And and it really is that simple. And so it becomes less of me versus you or you being jealous of me. And it's just when the two of us come together, it's not compatible. I have nothing against you, but apparently when the two of us fuse together, it doesn't work. So unfortunately I 
go and, and be in a space and planted in some soil where I can get some shine and some sunlight and not me growing is going to be a problem for the friendship. And I shouldn't yeah. say growing, me being in a new space is a problem for the friendship. And if Completely. there's no way to accommodate that and figure it out, then, you know, unfortunately you might have to release the friendship. It might be a boomerang friendship where they come back in a season where mm-hmm. they're not so sensitive to certain things. Um, but you know, but you, you have to do what you have to do. But in, as soon as you get to the place where you have to, to minimize or measure in order for a person to be happy, you know, I think that says a lot. Yeah. And in, in, in that situation, exactly. Like it was, I, I discovered it after being cut out, like, you know, a um, almost 10 year friendship stopped answering my phone calls for months and had no idea why. And so that was part of the unsalvage. Like it just, to me, that was such a violation of, um, you know, it was just, you know, we all have our boundaries as well. Right. And it just ended up not being something I think for both of us, we could really recover from. But, um, I guess my last question before we wrap up to, or I don't know, Ali, if you have another question, but for me, I'm also so curious about making, friendships as an adult, right? Just to bring it now, we've talked about the breakups. We've talked about how to communicate. What about meeting new people, especially, um, I think as you know, in our twenties and our thirties, it can be kind of difficult. Um, I have a lot of friends right now too, who are newly single and they're trying to meet more single friends now. And so how do you kind of cultivate new community at different phases of your life? Yeah. So uh, as you might expect, the number one question I get as a women's friendship coach is about making friends. And I think it's funny because I think many of us maybe think that making friends is, is, is a, a life assignment for when you're like in high school and that you should have already completed that. Um, and I think um, people will be surprised to know that adults are asking me that, you know, all the time, because I always get that question with some kind of qualifier. It's how do I make friends as a woman in a new city? How do I make friends as a new mom? How do I make friends as a military wife? How to make friends in this new season of my life where I think I need a new circle to thrive with my new worldviews, whatever it is. And so I hope that that shows us we will always be having to make new friends. Um, so the first thing I, I like to start with is, um, is to, I can give three quick tips I'm actually writing this chapter right now for my book that'll hopefully be in a bookstore near you in 2024. We're talking about, you know, making friends. And the first thing I like to start with is to realize that making new friends and meeting new people are not the same, but we often use those phrases synonymously. And making a friend refers to the uh, the art of cultivating something meaningful with another person. And who says that that has to start from scratch all the time? You know, so why not look at the people who are already in your network, who you've dismissed as potential friend candidates for whatever reason, she's too old, too young. She's too, um, weird. She's not weird enough. I mean, whatever the reasons were that you dismissed this person as being a a potential friend. So now you've put her in the box of coworker or neighbor or cousin's friend. Can you start to look at her differently? And if so, how might that change your approach the way you engage with her. Um, the second thing is to um, find a way to um, make your desire known. And so because we, again, feel like that was a high school assignment we should have already completed, we keep it to ourselves because we feel a little embarrassment about having to like make friends. When it's funny, the opposite will help you achieve your goal. So announcing on social media or um, with what I call our, our super connector uh, uh, network. So these are people who thrive on bringing two people together. So I'm one of those. I like to be like, oh my God, Maria, you should meet my friend Erica. Oh my God. You know, like I, I like doing that. And a lot of us know somebody in our network, maybe they're not a friend, 
but somebody in our network who generally kind of has that, that, that MO. So texting that person and saying, Hey, listen, I I'm trying to get a little more plugged in. And I thought of you because you're always out and about and you always know like the places to go. And I just was wondering, is there anything worth town or around town worth checking out? That way, my underlying message is I'm looking for friends, but it's not in a way that makes me feel like I'm being desperate. I'm just saying I want to get connected. I'm trying to get plugged in, whatever language you want to use. But this person's probably going to give you her two cents and she probably enjoys being thought of and she wants to show up and help. And then, you know, the bare minimum, you're probably going to get some recommendations of things you can do. But there's also a good chance that she invites you as her plus one. Like, oh my gosh, I actually have a book club every Tuesday. Uh, You're coming with me. And I get that plus one invite, um, which helps to expedite the process to friendship when somebody vouches for me and says, Hey, this is my friend, Danielle. It speeds up the process. Like, Oh, if she likes you. I like you. And they transfer the trust that they have from that person onto you. And then, uh, finally I'll say, you know, we need to, and I, I could give you like a hundred strategies, but the, fir- the last one will be to, um, go early and stay late. I've noticed, especially for my introverted clients, we go late to an event because you want to skip the small talk and then we're ready to get out of there as soon as they like call it over. But those are the, where people are mingling. And I always say, go the length of like a Spotify song, like two and a half minutes early. That's it. Because that's enough to, to, chat up somebody in the parking lot when you guys were walking in at the same time. That's enough to talk to the host as she's kind of like making her rounds um, or to talk to somebody who also looks confused, like they don't know where to go. And then afterwards, you just kind of came from this thing that, that's giving you like this buzz, you know, this, this fun event, people are hyped up. So staying a, a little bit later is a chance to connect with someone and say, oh my God, that was amazing. Right. And they're like, yes, but I can't do that. If I'm trying to get out there as soon as possible on my phone, head down, going to the car. So how do I position myself strategically to invite new connections and to look approachable during those times? Um, because we have a lot of those moments where we can be making friends. But I think if you see making friends, like when you think about that phrase and you close your eyes and you picture yourself making friends, you probably pictured a very social um, image, like a party or some kind of fun gathering with like a lot of music. And you probably put that as your backdrop of making friends. And then you think, well, I don't have those situations in my life right now, like a bunch of parties to attend. So I guess I can't make friends. If I allowed you to swap out that background for standing in the line at the grocery store or at the bookstore, or like you pick your kid up at the same time every day, let's swap those backgrounds. You'll realize there's actually a lot of opportunity um, uh, to position yourself for, for new friends. So a lot of it's just kind of like a mental reframe and intentional positioning. Thank you. Oh, I feel like we have so much good kind of tangible um stuff, uh, tips from this uh, episode. So I really appreciate that. Um, as we wrap up, we asked three short wrap-up questions. So um I'm going to start. The first one is, you know, you are a busy woman and have a lot on your plate, including your friendships, relationships, motherhood, uh, writing a book. How do you take care of yourself? Do you have a daily self-care practice um, or any non-negotiables in your day? Oh, that's a great question. I actually was just telling my husband that I think I need to reserve every Friday for me. And I think it's tricky when you really love your job. I could do this all day long, the sessions and the writing and the studying. And so it's really hard to say, hold on a second. And to tell my assistant, you know what, can we block out all Fridays? And that's going to be the day when I go to the dentist and I get my nails done with my girlfriend and we get coffee and I don't have to rush because I have a call in an hour. And so I think that's actually a new practice I'm adopting is there's one day that is mine. Um, and, and so I'll, I'll update you and see how that goes, but I have a feeling it's, it's going to be a very good thing. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. The next question that we always ask is what does being courageous mean to you? Mm. 
Um, being courageous to me means um, to, and, and this is a definition that circulates a lot, but to be scared and do it anyway. So in the context of friendship, whether it's like um, um, making a new friend or telling a woman that you really like that you like her and you've always thought it, but you never said it because you don't want to look desperate or like clingy or weird. That would be courage in, in my line of work is, is telegraphing your feelings about somebody you really admire or appreciate. Awesome. And then the final one is, do you have a book recommendation? Um, it can be on anything. It doesn't necessarily even have to be on friendship, just something that's meant something to you. We know yours is coming out. So of course, when that's out, we will, we will absolutely share it with everyone, but, um, anything that's just meant something to you in your journey? Um, yeah, uh, I am going to give a friendship book because that's, that's all I read, but there's one book I think is fascinating. It's called, um, you just don't understand by Deborah Tannen. And she is a linguist and she talks about the differences between the way men and women speak, um, the words we use, our timing, our rhythm, and how that turns into a lot of conflict. And so even though she's comparing men and women, I think we can still take a lot of that about women. And I, and it's made me realize a lot about friendship and how I talk in my friendships and also in my marriage. So I think that's a good book for anybody who wants to relate better to other people. I think it starts with assessing how you speak and um, how people might be making meaning of how you speak. Wow. Thank you. So for anybody who wants to find you, work with you, buy your book when it comes out, where can they do all of the things? Oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So everything lives at betterfemalefriendships.com. That's where they can do uh, book a one-on-one -on -one session. Um, although those are limited because I'm working on my manuscript right now or um, listen to the podcast. My podcast is called the Friend Forward Podcast. And it's nice to have because I get questions all the time. And so now, you know, I've been doing that for a couple of years now. So it's easy to be like, oh my gosh. Okay. Look up season two episode 16. That's what you need. So it's been really nice for me to be like, girl, I got you last season, episode eight. That's what you need. Um, but, but that's where women can go to get a little more insight and, and more support in an area that they might feel like they have to go through by themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is my all call to any woman listening. Who's like, Oh my gosh, these are all things I've been thinking, but I didn't know other people feel that way. Other people do feel this way. You are not by yourself. Yes, you are a unique and beautiful soul, but your problems are not that unique. And that's good news because it means there's somebody who's equipped to, to support you through it. Yeah. Thank you again so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure having you. And I can't wait to share this episode actually with a lot of my friends. I think they're going to love it. So thank you, Danielle. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica and we're Courageous Wellness.